Well, we are presently in a series called called Stop. No one likes to stop. You know, we're too busy, too big of a hurry to get where we're going. But the truth is, we might not get to where we are going at all if not for the stop sign. See, the stop sign regulates traffic and keeps things moving. Truth of the matter is, because we stop, someone else can move forward. And because someone else stops, we can move forward. Well, there are many things in life that require us to stop. That is, if we are going to move forward. See, see, stopping these things will actually help to move us ahead. Well, the subject that I have for us this morning, I want to talk and say stop discontentment. Stop discontentment. See, see, most Americans today live a life of discontentment. They're, they're discontent with their jobs. They're discontent with their marriage. They're discontent with their stuff. They, they have more than any previous generation and more than they have ever had before. And yet, and yet they are not, still not satisfied, still not happy, still unfulfilled. Too many people today are like the old farmer who lived on the very same farm all of his life. It was a good farm, but he became discontent with it more and more with each passing year. He longed for something else. He longed for something better. And every day he seemed to find a brand new reason not to like it. All he could see was its flaws. So the old farmer decided that he was going to sell his farm. So he hired a real estate man to list his property. The realtor came out to the man's property, and the realtor began to write up a description of this man's property. He described the ideal location, the modern machinery, the rich fertile soil, the quaint farmhouse, the healthy livestock, and on and on and on the ad read. Finally, when the, when the realtor finished writing the descriptive ad of this man's farm, he showed it to the old farmer to get his approval. After reading the ad describing his farm, the farmer said, hold everything. Stop the presses. He said, I've changed my mind. He said, this place is not for sale. He said, why? Well, I've been looking for a place like this my entire life. Well, just like this old farmer, most of our discontentment is unjustified. There's a story in the Bible that Jesus told that gives us a clear picture of discontentment. The story is found in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. Let's, let's read this story. The story, a parable that Jesus told. Verse 15 says, and he's talking about Jesus, and he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Why? He answered the question, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a a parable or told a story to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. 
And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? And Jesus said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There's so many things that we could pull from this story, but today I want to, I want to pull from this story three things that I want to share with you this morning. And the first thing that I see in this story, the first thing I see is the warning. And the warning is found in verse number 15. Jesus said, take heed and beware. Say beware. Jesus said, take heed and beware. Beware of what? Beware of covetousness. The New Living Translation says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Let me suggest two things here this morning. First of all, man's human tendency is to want. It is the tendency of, of the human. It is the tendency of man to, to want. It, it began way back in the very beginning of man, way back in the Garden of Eden. You know the story where God created Adam and Eve and God placed them in a prosperous, luscious garden, a garden that produced anything and everything they could ever need or should ever, ever want. And God said to Adam and Eve, he said, all of this is yours, and all of this you can partake of, and all of this I have made available to you. There's only one thing. Out of all of this, there's only one thing that I'm going to withhold from you. Everything else is yours for the taking. But was Adam and Eve content with this? Were they? What was it that they thought they wanted? Well, well, we find that in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6. It says, so when the woman saw, say she saw. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, it was a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Now remember, there were fruit trees every where all of them were legal for them to eat from. They were luscious. They were sweet. They were nourishing. Everything they could ever need and should ever, ever want. And all of it legal to them. Only one thing withheld from them. But was Adam and Eve content? The man in the story that, that we read, that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12, he was already rich. It wasn't that he was struggling and wow, all of a sudden I have a bumper crop. All of a sudden, I, you know, I've been struggling, but I'm not struggling anymore. No, 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 no. He was already rich. Verse number 16 says the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And verse 17 says that his barns were already full. But was he content even though he had full barns? No. Proverbs 27 and 20 says, the eyes of man are never satisfied. See, man's human tendency is to want. Want what? Well, more than he has. 
More than someone else? Want what? What someone else has? <laughs> Just think about it. Th- th- think of a small child. Oh, they've been playing with a toy for a little while, but all of a sudden they are bored with that toy. They don't want that toy anymore, so they just throw the toy on the, throw the toy on the floor. They don't want it anymore. Until, until what? Until another child picks it up. And then they want it back. Mine! They scream. See, man's human tendency is to want. But notice the second thing here, and that is true contentment does not come from things. Oh, I wish you could get your mind and get yourself wrapped around that that truth and that thought. I wish we could truly understand that true contentment does not come from things. Jesus said in the last part of verse 15, he said, he said, one's life is not measured by how much you own. Years ago, there was a popular bumper sticker that read, he who has the most toys at the end of life wins. No, no, he who has the most toys at the end of life still dies. He just leaves more stuff behind. Somebody said, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. True contentment does not come from, from things because, listen, listen, some of, some of the richest people are the most discontent. It's not just the poor that have very little, if anything. It's not just the poor. Listen, some of the richest people are the most discontent. They have more than anybody else. They have more than they know what to do with, but it doesn't Satisfied. See, think about it. If contentment comes from acquiring things, then why are we always wanting more? The first thing we see in this story is the warning. The second thing that we see in this story is the wanting. Wanting. We re- we already read about that in verses 16 through 19. I want you to notice three things here. First of all, his abundance didn't stop him from wanting more. His abundance. His barns are already full. But his abundance did not stop him from wanting more. Verse 16 says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Say rich man. See, he was already rich before he had his bumper crop. And yet his abundance didn't stop him from wanting More. He had more than he needed. He had more than he could store. He had more than he knew what to do with. And yet he still wanted more. Here's what I I know, and that is our wanter will never be satisfied. You'll never satisfy your wanter. Not as long as we try to satisfy our wanter with things. As long as we try and do that, we will never have enough. We'll always want the bigger and better. We will always want the new and the improved. We will always want the latest and the greatest. Our abundance will not stop us from wanting more. Notice something else about the rich man in this story, and that is his appetite for more was totally selfish. His appetite for more was totally selfish. Selfish. Not once does he say, how could I help someone else with this abundance? How could I be a blessing? 
I've already got full barns. Why? How could I help and be a blessing to someone else? Not one time does he say it. No, his appetite for more was totally selfish. In fact, it's interesting, at least 12 times in three verses, he uses the pronouns I, me, and my. Verse 17, he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Oh, I've got this dilemma. What am I going to do since I have run out of room to store my crops? They store. I run out of room to store my crops. Oh, just think about what he could have done. I said, think about what he could have done. He could have given to the poor. He could have shared with others. He could have given to the work of the Lord. He had an insatiable appetite for more, but it was purely selfish. Not even a passing thought about what could be done with his excess. Think about this. He would rather have his crops rot in a bigger barn than to think about sharing any of it with others. I don't know. Maybe he thought, you know, maybe maybe he's thinking, you know, that he, he could break the record for having the biggest barn. Yeah, tear down this barn, man. You, man, you think this barn's big? You wait until see the barn, man. Maybe he's thinking I could have the I could break the record for having the biggest barn. Oh, I could break the record for possessing the largest the largest amount of crops. Oh, oh, maybe he's an, um, imagining himself every morning. Oh, oh, he could walk out to his barn every single day. He could throw open those barn doors. Oh, and he could see just how high, just how high his crops were stacked. Higher, 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 higher. He would stack it up, making sure his stack was higher than everyone else's so he could brag about having the biggest stack. (laughs) Remind you of anything? Remind you of anything? We're talking about the wanting right now. But here's the catch this morning. His assets became a liability. His assets actually became a liability. It appears that God had enough of this man's discontentment. He had enough of his selfishness. He had enough of this man's greed. And God says to him, fool, fool, your life is over. And what good will this huge stack do you now? I don't know, but perhaps, I use the word perhaps, perhaps one of the reasons why God doesn't give us more is because we don't appreciate, nor do we properly appropriate what we already have. If we're not careful, our assets can become a liability. The, the, the writer of Proverbs understood this because he wrote in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 and 9, he says, he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. He says, I don't want to be poor and I don't want to be rich. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. He says, give me just enough to meet my needs. Why would he say that? He answers the question. He says, he says, because if I grow rich, he said, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? If I grow rich and I have all this stuff, man, you know, if I get this position, if I have these possessions, if I have all this stuff around me, I may become self-sufficient and think, wow, look what I've done and look who I am. Who needs God, man? I've got it going on. I need to write a book, man. I need to get on a talk show, man. I need to tell everybody how to be successful. Who needs God, man? Look what I've done. 
If I grow rich, he said, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? He said, if I'm poor, I may steal and thus insult the name of my God. Sometimes God says no to our wants because he knows what granting our wish might do to us. Think about it. Have you ever met anyone who only had time for God, only had time for church when things were going wrong? They cry out to God in the bad times, but the moment they begin to prosper, the moment their needs are met, they suddenly have no time for God. Sometimes our assets become a liability. All right, we've looked at the warning. We've looked at the wanting. Let's look at the third thing that I, that I find in this story, and that is the wisdom. And the wisdom is found in verses 22 through 34. Verses 22 through 34 of Luke chapter 12. Let's read it. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What do you eat or about the body, what you will put on? Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and... Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. I want to make three statements here this morning. First of all, the first statement I want to make is that true wealth is measured by contentment. True wealth is measured by contentment. Now, most people measure wealth by the amount that they have. But I ask you this morning, is that a valid measuring device? Is a person truly wealthy if they are discontent? Are they wealthy if, if they have an insatiable desire for more? Are they, are they really rich if what they already have doesn't satisfy them? First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 says, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True wealth is measured by contentment. Consider this. 
Mismanaged money reveals discontentment. Mismanaged money reveals discontentment. See, see, man's wanter gets him in financial trouble on a regular basis. You know, man thinks, man, he, he thinks that the, that, that the next great thing is going to bring him satisfaction and contentment. Oh, oh, the next shiny new thing. That's it, man. That's it. And because he's discontent, he's an easy sell. Discontentment will drive him to spend money, oh, on possessions and parties and products. Oh, oh, anything and everything. Whatever is next, man, that's what he's all about. He's all about the next. Whatever he hasn't tried yet, whatever appeals to his flesh. Mismanaged money reveals discontentment. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, let your conduct, say your conduct, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Here's what I know this morning. Master your money or your money will master you. Master your money or your money will master you. The rich man in this story today allowed his money to master him. His riches drove him to want more and more and more. His barn, his barns are already full. It's not like he doesn't have anything. It's not like he's in what? His barns are already full, but he's going to tear those suckers down. Man, you ain't seen a barn yet. Let me show you a barn. Now understand there's nothing wrong with bigger barns. Did you hear me? There's nothing wrong with bigger Barns. I'm not promoting poverty this morning. All right? There's nothing wrong with bigger barns. That wasn't what was wrong. What he did, what he did wasn't wrong. It was the motivation behind what he did. Nothing wrong with bigger barns. What was wrong was his discontentment. What was wrong was his plans for his excess. And what was his plan? Man, I'll pull these barns down. I'll build bigger barns. I'll put more stuff. I'll stack it up higher, higher, higher. And then I'll just look at it, man. I'll quit working. I'll quit doing anything else, man. I'll just sit back and relax. Man, I will just party hardy, man. And just life will just be one big party, man. I'll just be at ease the rest of my life. Verse 20, God said to him, fool, man. Fool. See, only a fool would believe that if you are discontent with what you have, you'll be content with more. Hello? See, First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 says, for the love of money. Say the love of money. Doesn't say money. The love of money. The inordinate love of money. The out of balance love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people say some people. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Master your money or your money will master you. The takeaway today and the real message is in the takeaway. The real message, the real 
meat of the message is in the takeaway this morning. The takeaway for this message today is discontentment is a heart issue. Discontentment is a heart issue. Verse 34 says, wherever your treasure is or wherever your money is or wherever you put your money, there, say there. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your money is, there, there, the desires of your heart will also be. See, the way we spend our money, what we do with our finances tells us what's on the inside of us, tells us what's in our heart. Hear me this morning, discontentment is a heart issue. And people who throw money at this and throw money at that and throw money at something else, trying to find something to satisfy them, something to make them happy, oh, they never are content, they are never satisfied, they are never pleased, they are never fulfilled. People like this have a heart issue. Discontentment is a heart issue. And this is the best part of the entire message. Only Jesus can heal heart issues. Only Jesus. Hear me this morning. If you are discontent today, you don't need a new car. You don't need a bigger house. You don't need a new relationship. You don't need a new position. You don't need to make more money. You don't need to pile up more stuff. You need Jesus. Jesus. It's as simple as that. Because what a house can't do and what a car can't do and what a relationship can't do and what a position can't do, I'm telling you this morning, I'm telling you that Jesus can. And what no one or no other thing can satisfy or bring fulfillment or make life worth living, no, none of those things that can do it, can it do it, but Jesus can. Jesus can, only Jesus can heal heart issues. Jesus is the true source of contentment. Oh, he's the true source of fulfillment. He's the true source of satisfaction. Jesus. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. Oh, lift your hands this morning and just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. He's the source today. Oh, listen, what no one else can do, what nothing else can do. Oh, he can do. He can heal heart issues.